Good morning, everybody. Uh, it's good to see you all. As we continue to worship, um, let me pray. I ask that you turn to Deuteronomy uh, chapter 8, where we'll be uh, today. Father God in heaven, Lord, we thank you that you are a good and holy God, that you are gracious and kind and loving and caring uh, to your people. God, I thank you that we can gather together to sing praises to your name for who you are and what you've done. God, that we can gather together as a community of family and friends, Lord, different stages of faith from uh, long-time believers to new believers to not-yet believers, seekers, doubters, skeptics. God, as we walk into this room, maybe broken or burdened, Lord, I pray that we would encounter you today together. Uh, God, that we would remember your goodness to your people throughout generations as we've seen in your scriptures in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, Lord, as we've seen throughout history and as we see in our lives today. So, God, I pray that you would be with us now, this morning, as we continue to worship now through the reading of your scriptures. We ask that you would stir us up, uh, stir us up to be uh, your people in Christ. And we ask it in his good and holy name. Amen. Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 8 uh, is where we are this morning. <clears throat> Chapter 8, verse 1. The whole commandment that I command you today. Excuse me, are we good? I'm sorry. The whole commandment that I command you today, you shall be careful to do, that you may live and multiply, and go in and possess the land that the Lord swore to give your fathers. And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you, testing you to know what is in your heart whether you would keep his commandments or not. And he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothing did not wear out on you, and your foot did not swell these forty years. Know then in your heart, as a man disciplines his son, the Lord your God disciplines you. So you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God by walking in his ways and by fearing him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains and springs flowing out in valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive trees and honey, a land in which you will eat bread without scarcity and which you will lack nothing, a land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills you can dig copper and you shall eat and be full, and you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Take care lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his rules and his statutes which I command you today. Lest when you have eaten and are full and have built good houses and live in them, and when your herds and flocks multiply and your silver and gold is multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, then your heart be lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, who led you through the great and terrifying wilderness with its fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty ground where there was no water, who brought you, brought you water out of the flinty rock, who fed you in the wilderness with manna that your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and test you to do you good in the end. Beware lest you say in your heart, My power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers as it is this day. 
And if you forget the Lord your God and go after other gods and serve them and worship them, I solemnly warn you today that you shall surely perish. Like the nations that the Lord makes to perish before you, so shall you perish, because you would not obey the voice of the Lord your God. This is God's word. Friends, forgetting the gospel leads to death and perpetuates brokenness. But remembering the gospel leads us to thrive with life and joy and perpetuates the good news of who God is and what he's done for his people. So today we're looking at gospel remembrance. What does it mean to remember the good news of who God is, what he's done for his people, the good news of who we are in Christ and how we are to live? So this morning I want to start by asking us all this question, how are you remembering God's faithfulness? Like in what ways do you remember God's faithfulness, both in hard times and in good times? How is this remembrance shaping you? How are we being shaped together as we remember the good news of who God is and what he's done? How does this shape how we live? Because I think it's easy for us to gather together when things are going hard. We cry out to the Lord, Lord, help us. We, we need help. You know, maybe God intervenes and does something amazing and we can remember, wow, do you remember, you know, 10 years ago when things were hard and how God just showed up and did something amazing? That was great. But we forget during the good times that we are to remember the Lord too. During the prosperous times, it's easy for us to say, well, you know, I got this job because I'm smart. I mean, I got this job because I've been working here for a long time. I've kind of worked my way up the ladder. I mean, I'm talented. That's why I'm doing so well. I'm great at business. That's why business is going so well. And we often forget that in the good times, we are to remember the Lord, who he is and what he's done. When we look at the first couple verses of this chapter, verses 1 and 2 says this, The whole commandment that I command you today, you shall be careful to do that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land that the Lord swore to give your fathers. And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness that he might humble you, testing you to know what's in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. So a couple of things I want us to look at this morning, because I want us to see what God uh, did in the Old Testament For Israel, how he was shaping them to be his people. He was doing things for them and and with them to show off how great he is, who he is, to show off uh, his glory so that they might respond in obedience and in worship to be his people. He had set them free from Egypt. Their identity was no longer an identity of slavery and oppression from their past. He had set them free, led them through the wilderness for decades and was leading them to a land that he had promised his people, a land where they would thrive, a land not only for them to enjoy uh, you know, the land itself or enjoy uh, the, the prosperity, but also to be his people. You see, God was not giving them a land just so they can go do their own thing, like, hey, you're no longer slaves, so go over here and start a new culture, a new way of life, and just kind of do whatever. No, he was setting them free from their past bondage, leading them to a land so that they could thrive as his people, 
to be his people. His people were distinctly worshipers of God, distinctly um, a community together living differently than the cultures around them. But what I want us to see today is how this applies to you and I in Christ. Because as Christians, uh, we are, are uh, defined by being rescued by Jesus. We have been rescued from our past, from our sin, from our bondage. The same way that Israel was set free in the Exodus by God, Jesus has set us free from our past and is leading us onward. The whole theme of the Bible is one of a of a journey of an Exodus, if you were if you will, from from brokenness of our past to restoration uh, in our future that is experienced now in the present. And so in the same way, there's stuff here for us today to remember. In the same way as, as God commands Israel to keep his commandments and to do what he is commanding them. Verse 2, you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you. I want us to look at what remembrance means for you and I as Christians. What we're calling gospel remembrance, to remember the good news. couple things. Often we think remembrance is just a, a mental filing, an intellectual thing. Like, oh, I remember. Remember that time we got a flat tire? You know, remember that time somebody tipped me really big at the restaurant? Remember that time I got in a fight? We think it's like a, just a mental categorization of a fact from the past. But scripturally, remembrance involves so much more than just mental information. In fact, remembrance involves character, who we are and who we are becoming. Remembrance involves uh, discipline and remembrance involves action and doing something. And so I want to look at those two things today for gospel remembrance so that we are not tempted to say, well, I, I remember the story of Jesus. I mean, I remember that Bible story from church. I remember that movie about Moses or whatever. I want us to remember biblically, not just intellectual filing of facts, but I want us to remember biblically being shaped in our character, who we are and who we are becoming and the actions of what we do with our lives and why we do it. That is what gospel remembrance is. So track along with me here. First, we're going to look at gospel remembrance is about character, who we are and who we are becoming. Let's look at these first couple verses again. The whole commandment that I command you today, you shall be careful to do that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land that the Lord swore to give your fathers. And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you, testing you to know what is in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. He humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothing did not wear out on you. Your foot did not swell these 40 years. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, the Lord your God disciplines you. So you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God by walking in his ways and fearing him. You see, in this set of verses... As Moses is writing down the instruction of the Lord for God's people, he says, remember, you shall remember. It is an active thing. It is not a, not a passive thing. Remembering is an active, it's an action that you do. And he goes straight to the heart. Do you see that? He says, 
you shall remember what God has done for you, where you have come from, where he has led you. Verse 3, that he might humble you. Are you a humble person? It's really hard to admit being humble because then all of a sudden you're not humble anymore. I'm the most humble person I know. Well, no, you're not. Yes, I am. No? Okay. See, we in our culture tend to be self-sufficient, pick yourself up by your bootstraps, go after your dreams, make your life happen the way you want it to. That's part of the human condition. In fact, that was the warning to Israel to say, hey, look, as you get to this land of promise and the the farmland is just thriving with crops and your herds multiply and things go well for your family, don't forget the Lord. Don't don't go into this land of promise where things are going to go well and thinking that you're doing this all by yourself. Don't, Don't forget the Lord. The Lord is the one who's doing this for you. See, our hearts are inclined toward pride. Our hearts are inclined toward self-sufficiency. And we see that gospel remembrance is not just remembering facts of the past, but it's an issue of the heart being inclined away from self and sin and being inclined toward the Lord. And a humble dependence on who God is, on His provision, not self-sufficiency at all. You see, God led them. I mean, wouldn't you think, I mean, I know this is, if, if you're familiar with the story of Exodus or if you've seen the Prince of Egypt or anything, it's often for, uh, easy for us to sit here and think, you know, if I was enslaved and in bondage and I saw these miracles happen and, and like the sea parted, I think I would be inclined to love the Lord. Don't, do you ever think that way? I mean, do you ever think like, how could they not love God? After God did these miracles in front of them, like raining locusts and plagues and parting seas and setting them free, they've been in bondage for generations and now they're free. How how could you not be humble in worshiping God? Well, friends, I hate to tell you, I don't think any of us would be any different than Israel. I mean, it's the human condition to be prideful. And so the Lord takes them through this process to humble them to provide for them, to say, hey, look, you didn't free yourself, nor will you thrive apart from me. It says the Lord led them safely. We led them for 40 years through the wilderness that he might humble you, testing you to know what is in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. He humbled you and led you to hunger and then fed you with manna to make to make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Is that verse familiar to you? Jesus actually quoted that when he was being uh, tempted by Satan in the desert before he began his public ministry. So Jesus, the Son of God, getting ready to begin his earthly ministries, living a perfect life that we all should live, but we can't. And he begins this ministry of teaching and doing healing and miracles to proclaim and display the inbreaking of God's kingdom, ultimately to go to a cross to die for the forgiveness of sin, for his people to, to come back from the dead, to ascend to heaven, to reign on a throne next to God the Father. In the middle of that, right, the beginning of this uh, earthly ministry, Satan comes to tempt Jesus, who had been led by the Holy Spirit to the desert to pray, to fast, to prepare for ministry. And the first thing 
Satan does is tempt him. Say, look, you, you're Jesus. You, you can do anything you want. You could turn rocks into bread and eat. Why are you fasting? Why are you hungry? You can do this yourself, Jesus. And Jesus busts out Deuteronomy, which is awesome. And Jesus quotes this and says, Man does not live by bread alone. Man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. You see, gospel remembrance is very much dependence on who God is. It's very much a humble inclination of the heart to trust the Lord's provision, to trust the Lord's plan, to trust the Lord's workings in the way that he chooses to work, even if we don't understand. When things are hard, when there is sickness and death around you, I have, I've been having a hard time with this lately. I have a friend who lost his daughter to a disease recently, and it broke my heart. And I'm wrestling with this. How, how, can, how can we remember God's faithfulness when my friend's daughter died? How can we remember God's faithfulness when there are friends and family we know that are plagued by sickness and disease and death and financial hardship and relational riffage? God is teaching us something, not to be prideful, not to be self-sufficient. We remember the good news so that we will be shaped to be a humble people dependent on who God is and what he's done. And look, God does this for the good of his people. Look at verse 5. Know then in your heart as a man disciplines his son, the Lord your God disciplines you. Now that word discipline can be used in a very broad context. Biblically it can be used in a broad context. It can actually mean to like beat. But that's not only what it means. The Lord is not, is not beating us. In fact, discipline has such a broader, richer concept in the gospel. To, it really means to, to become a disciple. If you are a disciple of Jesus, you are being disciplined. It is a process of being shaped. It is like if you were growing a vine in your backyard and you're tying it into the trellis a certain way so that it will grow a certain way so that if it's not tied to the trellis, it droops, it gets no sun, and it dies. But if you discipline that plant, you train the plant, you, you tie the vine to the trellis so that it will grow toward the sun and thrive and bear fruit. That's what discipline means biblically. Sometimes it hurts. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes we don't understand. But the whole point is that we remember in the gospel that our hardship is not in vain. It is God disciplining us, shaping us to be more like his son, Jesus. The end goal, verse 10, you shall bless the Lord your God for the good he has given you. I love verse 16. It says that he might humble you and test you to do you good in the end. I mean, do you know that maybe the hardship you're going through is not because you were being punished, but maybe because the Lord is disciplining you for your good in the end? That's a hard concept for me to just, I just, I don't get it. <laughs> but God's teaching me through his word, through being a father myself as I try to discipline my children and say, you can't do that, like, you know, I, I don't know how often to share examples, but I'll just share this one. Maybe I shouldn't. One of our, I probably shouldn't, but I'm going to do it anyway. What the hey. One of our little kids was brushing her teeth the other night and standing on a table because they were jumping off of a table with a toothbrush. That's a horrible idea. And so I had to say, 
First of all, you shouldn't be jumping off the table. Secondly, you definitely shouldn't be jumping off the table with a toothbrush in your mouth. You could get hurt. You could really, really get hurt. Now, this one, the youngest one, so she could have easily said, but dad, I'm brushing my teeth. Like it's good for me to brush my teeth. Look how good I am to brush my teeth. I don't have cavities. And often I think we're the same way when we're saying, well, God, we're, we're doing good things. We're doing right things. But at the same time, we're doing right things with the wrong motivations or we're doing right things with the wrong heart. Like we're like little kids are saying, hey, we're brushing our teeth. Yeah, but you're standing on a table jumping off of it. That's dangerous. To, you could hurt yourself. And in the same way, the Lord disciplines us so that we will not be prideful, saying we are doing good things. We are doing right things. Friends, we often do good and right things in the wrong way with the wrong motivations. That's why Scripture doesn't just say, do this and do that. That is not, that, that's why Scripture doesn't say here, do the commandment, X, Y, and Z, but rather it says, do the commandments, let's look at your heart. I mean, do you notice that? Moses, writing down the word of God, says, look, you will remember the whole way. I mean, verse 1 says, here's the commandment. Be careful to do it. Verse 2, you shall remember. And then right after that, it's like he's humbled you, testing your heart. A couple verses about the heart. Because our, our heart's inclination is not Godward. We are prideful. We want to do things our way. And even if we do the right thing, if we want to do God things, we, we often want to do God's thing in our way too. And the whole point of this scripture is that God is shaping Israel to be his people. He's not just going to turn them loose. But rather, he's shaping, he's disciplining them in the same way the Lord does that for us today. Discipline is not punishment. It means instruction, reproof, teaching. Look what else happens. To be Gospel remembrance involves character, humility, discipline, also worship. Verse 6, so you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God by walking in his ways and by, by fearing him. That word fear is often used for reverential worship. It's not just like, I'm terrified, run, like Godzilla, but rather like reverential worship of your heart and your mind and your life being Godward. That's why scripture often talks about the journey of faith being one of, of walking. Like you're, you're walking with the Lord. It's a process. So I want to ask is this, as we look at gospel remembrance, not only as an intellectual filing away of facts, but rather gospel remembrance being about character, who we are and who we are becoming as humble disciples and worshipers. How has God shaped your character in hard times and good? I mean, think back in your life right now. Just is there a hard season? And you can look back and say, well, God really, you know, shaped my character, my attitude, changed me through that hard, hard season. Or even a good season. Man, things were going great. God really showed up and just shaped me differently. Because it's my hope and prayer that we would be open to who God is and what he's doing in our midst. That's why scripture says, remember the whole way, not just, Hey, remember that time and then forget about it. But it's an ongoing remembrance. It's an ongoing, let's be tuned in to what God has done, what God is doing. And let's be in tune to how he is shaping our hearts to be and become more like Jesus. Disciple worshipers who are humble and dependent on him.
But see, there is an action component to remembrance too. I mean, first we see that remembrance is an issue with the heart, but out of the heart comes action. You can't just file away the intellectual facts and then say, well, I'm just going to you know, love on those a little bit in my heart and get all warm and fuzzy, but there's action that happens. That's why verse 1 says, the whole commandment I command you today, you shall be careful to do. And there's something you do when you remember the gospel. Remembering the gospel is intellectual and mental. It is uh, emotional. It is about character, but it's also about action, about what we do and also why we do it. Look at verse 11. It says, take care lest you forget the Lord your God. So see, first couple verses, he says, hey, remember, do the commandments and remember God. It's all about your heart. And then he goes on in verse 11. Now, take care. It's a warning. Lest you forget by not keeping his commandments, the rules, the statutes, which I command you today. Lest when you have eaten and are full and have built good houses and live in them. And when your herds and flocks multiply, your silver and gold is multiplied. All that you have is multiplied. Isn't that exciting to think, wow, man, you know, if we... If God is disciplining us and shaping us, things are probably going to go well. But hey, there's a warning. If those things happen, and then your heart be lifted up and you forget the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, the house of slavery, who led you through great and terrifying wilderness with its fiery serpents, scorpions, the thirsty ground where there was no water, who brought you out, uh, brought you water out of the flinty rock, who fed you in the wilderness with manna that your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and test you to do you good in the end. Beware lest you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. Is that ever a temptation for you? It is for me. I would say ask my wife, but don't ask my wife. (laughs) I don't want you to know. (laughs) It's very tempting for all of us, even when things are good. You see, we have to see here that God had led them to the land. In fact, verse 1 says, do the commandments, go in and possess the lands, live and multiply. So the command is to go and multiply and and just thrive. And then right down here later, there's the warning. Well, Well, wait a second. If you're thriving... And if you're multiplying, and if things are going good with your herds and your crops, and you're like digging gold out of the earth, don't forget the Lord. That warning has to be be there. And we can look at this and say, but wait, you just said go in there and multiply and thrive. And now you're saying be careful? Yes. Because you can do good things when you're thriving and forget the Lord. And that is a waste. That's not the point. The point is not to thrive and just thrive and be happy and digging up gold and having herds and stuff. Is that what your life looks like? You got herds and gold flying out? We do that and we forget the Lord and all is a waste. In fact, it goes on to say, hey, you will be destroyed. You will perish just like all the other nations that don't even know God or obey him. That's scary to me. And it would be very easy for us when things are going well to think, well, you know, I'm doing well at work because I've worked hard. I'm doing well at school because I study hard. Friends, it happens in ministry. It happens in ministry like nobody's business. Believe me, I want us to be prayerfully 
humble as we get ready to move into a building that's like 10 years ago. I never would have thought our church would have had a building like this. And it would be very easy for us to say, look, look at this cool hip building we got, right? I mean, people are going to come because it's a really cool building, right? People are going to come because we got it decked out and painted and like cool chairs and sound system. And, and, and it'd be very easy for us to say, look at what we have built. Forgetting that, man, the Lord's doing something. I don't want to forget what the Lord is doing. I think the Lord has taken all of us personally and in our families and even as a church through really hard stuff. I mean, as a church, we had a hard season a couple years ago. I think that was for our good. I think God was going to say, look, it's not about you. It's not about your gifting or wiring or staffing or technique or network or denomination or building or anything. I mean, it would be tragic for us to thrive and have thousands of people come to our thing and forget the Lord. I mean, Scripture says that is dangerous. You will perish. I mean, perish is worth, worse than just dying. It's like utterly annihilated. Scripture says gospel remembrance involves character who we are and who we are becoming involves action to do. But see, I don't want to be negative and just think, well, hey, don't do well. <laughs> I want you, want you to do well in your life. In fact, Scripture says to do well, but as you do well, remember the Lord with your actions. It, does that make sense? It's really hard to say. I don't want us to be like, I think Scripture instructs us instructs God's people Israel and vicariously is instructing us to thrive as God's people. But our thriving is only good in so much as we are leaning on the Lord and being Godward with our motivations and actions. See, this is why scripture says here, he says, look, take care. Don't, don't forget the Lord. Like go in, thrive. Don't forget the Lord. Verse 18, you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers as it is this day. See, God wants his people to thrive and do good. He wants them to thrive in the land where he leads them. He wants them to remember that it's the Lord who gives them power to dig up the metals out of the earth and to farm the land and to raise the herds and the cattle. So I want to ask you this on a flip side on a good, let's be positive here. Like when you think about where God has placed you, like your life, what, do you, what it is you do? Are, are you thriving in it? Cause I hope you are. Are you excelling in your career? If so, thank God Honor the Lord with your career, no matter what your career is, with medical or teaching or working at a shop. Are you, are you thriving in your marriage and family as you raise your children and love your spouse? I mean, that's not, that's not just a, a task to get through and make sure people survive. It feels like that. Holy cow, it just feels like I just want people to survive. You know, get the toothbrush out of your mouth, put the diaper off your head, back on your, where it should go, like, get the diaper off your brother's head and put it back on where it should go, like. 
I mean, think about it. When you go to work, God has given you a job so that you may thrive and then honor him with your thriving and remember who God is and what he's done for you as you do your work, as you live life with your family, as you live life in your neighborhood, as you do your hobbies. Like I'm actually working on an article right now on this about what it means to as, you know, creating and cultivating is a reflection of the gospel. Like you look in Genesis and God creates everything out of nothing, creates man and woman in his image to reflect his goodness to the world. He gives them the mandate to create and cultivate. He says, go out, be fruitful, multiply, multiply, subdue the earth. That's a good thing. It's like, you know, cultivate the earth. And in the same way that carries on for you and I today, like we are to create and cultivate as we go about life. We are to create business and art and music and dance and create families and communities. And we're to cultivate relationships with each other. We're to cultivate literally the earth. Like if you were into farming or gardening, you're to cultivate um, all of that. And it's a reflection of the gospel. But in our creation and cultivation, if we forget God, we've lost it all. No matter how good your art is, how good your music is, how cool your family is, how cool your chicken coop is, no matter what you do, if you were doing great things creating and cultivating and you forget the Lord, we've lost it all. We are doomed to perish. So beware lest you say in your heart, my power, my might has gotten me this wealth. Verse 18, you shall remember the Lord your God. It is he who gives you power to get wealth. It is he who gives you that might so that you may thrive. I want to point us to, is this making sense? (laughs) This outline looks different today. I was, you know, I'm in process too. I'm a disciple who is being humbled and being disciplined to worship the Lord. Just so you know, I've got some stories. This passage has been tough for me this week. Philippians 2. I want us to see how this ties into Jesus because God is doing amazing things in scripture for Israel to shape them to be his people as he leads them to a land so that they may thrive and says, look, thrive there. Remember who I am and what I've done for you, not only mentally, but remember it with your character and your heart. You are going to be inclined toward me because that's me doing that work in you. Remember me with your actions, what you're doing and why you do it. Remember it when you were thriving, when you were cultivating the earth and creating things. Remember who I am and what I've done, because if you forget, you will perish. If you remember, you will, things will go well. There will be blessing. We talked about that last week. I want us to see how this points us to Jesus. Philippians 2, 1 through 8, the Apostle Paul writes this, If there is any encouragement in Christ any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy. Complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. All of the Old Testament is pointing us 
to Jesus. Jesus fulfills all of the expectation of the Old Testament. When God says, I want my people to obey my commandments, to follow me in their identity as my people. I want them to remember me and not forget. I want them to remember me with their character, who they are. I want them to be humble. I want them to be selfless. I want them to be obedient. I want them to be worshipers. I want them to remember me with my actions. I want them to do things. I want them to thrive with who I've made them to be. I don't want them to forget, though, and perish. I want them to remember me with their actions, what they do and why they do it so that they may know me and others may know me. Israel forgot constantly. They forgot the Lord. They walked away time and time again. They served other gods, other idols, other cultural whatever. They experienced great exile and oppression time and time again. That was God disciplining them. You and I are inclined to do the same thing. But Jesus comes as the perfect man to fulfill that See, Jesus was the perfect, humble, disciplined worshiper of God the Father. The Apostle Paul says, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ. You see, Jesus, in verse 6, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. You see, Jesus could have easily said, I'm God, I'm God the Son, so I don't need to do this stuff but rather he humbled himself to do what the will of the Father was for the good of God's people. And the Apostle Paul says, have this mind which is yours in Christ. Are you thriving to, as you thrive, are you doing that to serve yourself or to serve others and worship the Lord in obedience? As you create and cultivate, is that for your own good or are you creating and cultivating to worship the Lord and honor him and also serve others for their good as well. See, remembering the Lord, gospel remembrance leads us to humble dependence on God and serving others and what we do. When we create and cultivate, we remember who the Lord is and what he's done. And it's not a passive thing, but it's an action of our minds, of our character and what we do with our hands and our lives. So I want to ask you this. How are you remembering the good news of the Lord in your life, like practically? I mean, what you think about, what you dwell on, how is your character being shaped? Is it? If it's not, I don't want you to dis- to despair. I want you to see that in Christ we, we have true remembrance of the Lord. Um, but we can't do it apart from him. How are you remembering God's faithfulness in hard times and good? How is this shaping you? How is it shaping us? together because gospel remembrance is what the command is to do is not only uh, something we do individually we do as a community it's something we do uh, together so that we would grow in character and show off the goodness of the lord to a hurting and broken world and i think on that theme it would be good to see what how jesus ties this in in fact over the years the lord in order to help his people remember, they instituted lots of feasts and celebrations because it's so easy for us humans to forget, right? You can't just hand a human a book and say, here's a book of all the things that the Lord has done. You think that would be good enough, but the Lord says, hey, look, I want you to do a couple feasts 
I want you to do a couple tangible things together to help you remember. And one of those feasts was a feast of Passover when they would remember God uh, setting them free from Egypt with the last plague where the um, spirit would pass over the house of God's people who would knock off the firstborn son of the Egyptians, but not uh, that of God's people. And during that feast celebration, generations later, Jesus, at the end of his earthly ministry, was gathered with his disciples, saying, hey, we're getting together to remember who God is and what he's done. Right Throughout history that God has, has done this, that God set his people free so that they would remember who he is and be shaped in character to thrive as his people in this land that he's given them. And uh, So we're going to get together, we're going to have that feast. And then Jesus drops this awesome gospel bomb in the middle of the dinner, you know, just like, hey, by the way, this whole feast is really about me. This whole Passover feast that we've remembered for generations is really all about me because how God has, has set his people free from bondage over here and is leading them to a land of promise where they may, may thrive and worship and obedience together, uh, that's going to happen through me now. Jesus is saying, I'm freeing people from the bondage of brokenness and sin and death from their past. I'm leading them to be my people to thrive in community with the Father and with each other. And so as they're having this meal together, what we know is the Lord's Supper, um, the Apostle Paul actually records it in 1 Corinthians. It says this, For I received from the Lord, but I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, The cup of the new covenant is my blood. Do this as often as you drink in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever therefore eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of profaning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then. And so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many of you are weak and ill and some have died. But if we judged ourselves truly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. So as Jesus celebrates what we know as the Lord's Supper, it is a tangible way for us to remember who God is and what he's done for his people. For you and I as Christians, we celebrate that new identity being uh, forgiven for the brokenness and sin of our past, not being defined by that anymore, but being defined by um, grace and forgiveness that we may thrive as his people, redeemed and rescued. If you were here today and you were not a Christian, um, we would ask that you uh, think about the gospel. Uh, we want you to know Jesus. Um, if you are a Christian, we would invite you to participate in the Lord's Supper this morning. You can come and tear off the bread that represents the body of Christ, dip it in the wine or the juice that represents the blood of the new covenant that we have together. 
Um, the worship team will come back. We can respond by worshiping and singing and prayer and meditation. Um, so let me pray. Father God, we thank you for who you are and what you've done. Lord, we thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus. God, we are broken, fickle people. We forget you. We forget your goodness. We often dwell on ourselves and our own accomplishments, or we often get hung up on our past or triumphs or the present. But God, I thank you that your son Jesus was a perfect man who lived the life that we should live, but can't. That he lived the life as the perfect, disciplined, obedient worshiper, humbly tuned in with who you are and your plan for your people. And so, God, I thank you that the good news that is in in Christ, we are redeemed and rescued, that we have a new identity, that we are no longer defined by who we were and what we've done, but rather we're defined on uh, who Christ Jesus is and what he's done. So, Lord, I pray that we would embrace that good news of forgiveness and also that we would embrace the empowerment that he uh, gives us through the Holy Spirit to be disciplined, obedient, humble worshipers of you. God, that we would remember you not only with our minds, but that we would remember you with who we are becoming and how we live with with our actions. God, I pray that uh, we as a church community would thrive in gospel mission together, but as we thrive, Lord, that we would see that it is you that brings the harvest. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would guard us humbly, that you would guard us uh, from pride, that you would guard us from thinking that um, any quote-unquote success of this church would be because of a building or a style or a personality or a gifting or a staff or anything. Lord, I pray that you would guard us from that and that we would humbly rely on you for your provision, your protection, and that we would see you bringing fruit of the gospel uh, through this community. Lord, I pray that you would uh, grant us the joy of seeing a 100 people saved this year a hundred new Christians, new professions of faith. Lord, I pray that you would grant us the joy of seeing a new church planted. Lord, maybe that you would allow us to sponsor a church planter and a team or train up a church planter or or God, send out a church planting team or or whatever. Lord, I pray that you would grant us that joy. And Lord, if you give a hundred new salvations in the city and if you give a new church plant, Lord, I pray that we uh, would not be quick to jump up and say, look what we have done. But rather, Lord, we would say, wow, look what, look what God has done. Lord, I pray for my friends and family in this room. God, I pray that in this room you would uh, grant individuals great success with their careers and schooling, that you would grant couples great success in their marriage and families great success with their children and and in the community. And, Lord, that as that happens, we would all be humble to say, wow, God, thank you for being good to your people. Lord, thank you for making good on your promises. Thank you for rescuing us in Christ. Lord, I pray that we would be a people defined by um, humble worship and obedience to you just across the board, Lord. I pray that you would start with me. I am a prideful man. And Lord, I pray that you would continue to chisel that away for your glory and for the joy of your people and that the good news would go forth. We thank you in Christ's name. Amen.